Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Yes, we are super excited to welcome Ben Shepherd onto the podcast this week, an absolute legend of British television, Ninja Warrior, and also probably the highlight of his career was coming to a School of Calisthenics workshop not so long ago to learn from Jacko and I, and he's an absolute diamond. Yeah, it's a, a top, top man, a guy that's um, yeah, dabbled in with some calisthenics. He's on the on the show today, actually makes a big commitment and wants some accountability, so you're going to be able to... Um, uh, give him a nudge and uh, and push him through for his handstand and human flag goals. There's also there's a number of things I think to listen to to listen and, and learn from in this one around all the all the amazing guys that that he's uh, seeing firsthand um, that have tackled that Ninja Warrior course as part of his role of presenting that, uh, but also just some of the uh, his attitude and his his mindset towards towards his life and his um, and his career and how he's. Uh, he's a super humble guy, but he's he's been very very impressive with his TV career, and I think there's there's a number of lessons that organically come out as he sort of shares um, just just what he just what he does when we're asking him about that. So do listen in and um, be encouraged by um, by this legend of a guy that we are privileged to call a friend of the school of calisthenics. Yeah, it struck me this one that he's just the yes, he's he's got he's a he's a celebrity and a, a TV personality, but actually a lot of the stuff he talks about is just comes across as a really normal guy. Um, and I think there's a lot of lessons, as Jacko said, in this one. And one other thing we want to do is just say a big thank you to the guys at Red Light Rising for sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast. If you want to find out about how red light therapy can improve your recovery, your sleep, your immunity, loads of different health benefits that are wrapped up um, in an incredibly and um, well-designed product the guys have put together, you can find out more information at Red Light Rising rising.co.uk or check them out across all of their social channels yeah there's a ton of research out on there and uh, the the whole sort of health and uh, medical world are really excited about uh, the benefits of red light risings and you can read all about it on their website and you can also get one of the red light rising products like me and tim are using ourselves and really enjoying that uh, that process and feeling good and uh, certainly i'm noticing a, a difference in recovery particularly um, you can get their products with a 5% discount uh, for the School Card Science listeners because they're nice guys like that. And you just need to use code SOC5, so that's SOC5, at redlightrising.co.uk and bag yourself a bargain. So sit back, enjoy Ben Shepherd on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Roll that jingle. <laughs> So Ben, welcome uh, to the School of Calisthenics podcast. Thank you for for shedding a little bit or spending a bit of time with us uh, today. It's my pleasure. I finally managed to get organised so we could actually do this, gents. We've been talking about it for a long time. We have. It's been uh, lockdown. has been one of those things that um, has actually allowed us to connect with a couple of other guests as well. Where it's it's, it's been been one of the the silver linings of uh, of the lockdown. But I think you're potentially someone that's as as busy. Um, as ever obviously being on the show just give it for for one person that's sort of listening um that doesn't know who ben shepherd is give us just give him a little bit of a quick um introduction as to who you are and why you're so famous <laughs> who i am yeah. oh uh international man of mystery uh <laughs> debonair um uh, man about town the rake that's never grew up <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, as an <laughs> I am. So I'm a broadcaster, TV presenter, and I do a number of TV shows. Um, I've been working on the ITV Breakfast Show on and off for 20 years now. Um, in the various guys, how long it's been? been on. Yeah, well, since I started at ITV Breakfast, yeah, on GMTV many years ago. Yeah, uh, I host a, a quiz show, a daytime quiz show, and a primetime quiz show called Tipping Point which we were in the middle of filming series 11, I think, when lockdown happened. Uh, and we're going to go back to that as yeah. soon as the restrictions are lifted. Uh, host a number of other bits and pieces, including Ninja Warrior, which is on, they're repeating last year's series, which is on ITV right now on the weekends. And it was, um, yeah, which has been one of one of my favourite things ever to do, because as you boys know, I'm, I'm very passionate about my, my fitness and my uh, strength and conditioning and my training and stuff. And, and I've been so inspired by Ninja that... Um, those uh, athletes that take on that course are extraordinary. Um, so yeah, yeah bits and pieces yeah. of everything. 
I'm a dad as well. I've got two yes, young well, boys, uh, which is probably the most important job and the one that I'm most rubbish at. But what I did get right was marrying <laughs> somebody who was very good at that sort of thing. That's a clever, yeah. clever yeah, strategy yeah. Um, of an impressive CV. But you did miss out one thing, and which is that even a student of uh, the School of Car Science comes coming to one of our. It's one of our relatively early workshops that we've done yeah. um, at March and Athletic. Um, and so we got to see. Yeah, we got to meet. I remember saying, "Still, was like, crikey, who's the guy pulling up in the Austin Martin?" And it was like. Oh yeah, it's Ben Shepherd, yeah. <laughs> and we did actually invite him. So I shouldn't have been surprised. It's nice wheels. But um yeah, no, we um we got to connect there and I think you at that point you had um you'd done a ring muscle up, I believe, yes. at one you'd sort of that was one of your improper you, you what had you you'd done had you not done something quite bad to your elbow that had put you back quite somewhat? Yeah, so what I had yeah. So I had um I had once we started doing Ninja Warrior, I trained with a guy called Steve Coleman, who's been a good friend of mine for many years. And we started doing Ninja. Yeah. And I started seeing all these guys training in calisthenics and, and, you know, really functional movement stuff. And I said, Steve, we've got to start trying to do some of this stuff. And I started looking on Instagram <laughs> at um, uh, front levers. Because everyone makes it look so easy, don't they, on yeah. Instagram? You yeah. know, on any of those platforms, <laughs> you kind of go, oh, wow, well, that's brilliant. How cool is that? And then you try and do one of these things. And you think, for heaven's sake, how on earth have they made that possible? And then, uh, so then we started looking at muscle-ups and trying to work out how to do muscle-ups. And then you realise, after you've had a few failed attempts, when you watch a few instruction videos, you've got to try and get a full script going. So we'd, we'd managed to do a couple of ring muscle-ups, but I'd, I'd also been messing around in, at home and I'd, I'd fallen off, I'd fallen off a bit of kit. And uh, I had broken my uh, radial head and dislocated the inside of my elbow. So I broke the outside and dislocated the inside. And I didn't Ouch. go to hospital. I didn't realize it was quite that bad. And then two weeks later, eventually I was filming and, and my cameraman said, Ben, I think you need to go and get that checked out. Because I can see, I was holding on to the podium that I was, I was <laughs> tipping point. I was holding on to it. And every time I went to sort of move, my hand wouldn't release the podium slightly. And I'd, and I'd been wincing in pain. And he said, it's been two weeks now. Go and get it checked out. When I got yeah. it checked out and it was broken and, and dislocated, um, okay. You should have I, said hard man as well as man about town. <laughs> I know. I just, I'm just, a bit, I'm a bloke though, so I'm a bit lazy. I can't, you know. I think, oh, it'll be all right, it's fine. <laughs> and what the frustration with that was that I had it really. We were doing quite well, and it really set back that training. Yeah. And it takes such a long time to get those small goals. So to suddenly hit two ring muscle ups in one go was such a brilliant benchmark. To think, right, we're on our way. And then I absolutely threw yeah. it all out the window by messing around and being stupid, breaking my arm. Um, so I think by the time I came to see you guys, it was sort of fixed a bit more and we were just starting to get back into it. Um, yeah, so yeah, I could yeah. just put more load through. And I still, I mean, the, one of the issues was getting, um, you know, the full flexion back into my arm. So when it, when initially, when I did it, I'd put my arms out straight and my left arm, which was the one that I did, would be at 45 degrees. And I really had to work really hard to get that, um, that movement back into the elbow. So any sort of yeah. load going through the elbow was absolutely agony for a long, long time. Um, but your class, I remember coming with your class because Steve came with me as well, didn't he? And um, mm. yeah. it was just brilliant. And I just, you know, it, what, what I think the thing that what you, you, what you've done so brilliantly and it's, I'm, I'm a massive, it's my massive failing is you guys are really fastidious about the process about understanding. If you want to get from here to doing a front lever, these are the steps you're going to have to go through to get there. You can get there, but just follow this pattern help the body understand how it's going to get there and i just want to go from here to the front lever as quick as possible i'm so impatient <laughs> yeah um like all of us are we desperately want to get to that point where we're doing all this really cool stuff um and and i think one of the things that was brilliant about that class was just the way that you the way that you um position everything so it all works together and and that whole pattern and that whole package that you can put together can get you to from not being able to do a pull up to doing a muscle up or to getting from nowhere to doing a human flag or a handstand or whatever it might be. I think that's one thing which is quite um, is deceiving about calisthenics because it's body weight. And like you say, if you see someone do a muscle up like well or they do a handstand or a, or a front lever, it looks easy. And therefore you look at it and go, well, I train a bit. I should be able to do yeah. that. And then you have a go, yeah. you're like, that's really hard. I can't do that. And then you get frustrated yeah. because there's part of your brain going, why can you not? do that you can do a pull up and a dip so you should be able to do a muscle up 
but for some reason you yeah. can't put it together, which is the best thing and the worst thing about it, I think. I, I, yeah, I think we all share in that. Sorry, but we, we all share with that um, just for, for you and also people listening, they'll be the same. We share in that same um, problem of like we all, well, you said it, we all want to get to somewhere quicker than probably the process takes and you know i just want to re-emphasize that to everyone like this that's not like just because you know we talk about the process and we talk about earning the right to progress and we try to do that as much as we can as well but there's definitely times and i'm probably worse at it than than tim is tim's probably better at it mm. is that we do we do fall into those same traps as absolutely everybody else um but yeah it's it's, it's just one of those things that we have to try and well there's a phrase you've said a number of times Tim, like managing your ego yeah. is probably for those of us that have trained before, that's the type of thing is that you see anyone that does something easy, of course it's easy for them, but they've, they've, they've done a lot of work to get to that point of it being easy. And when I come in and then try and do it straight away without putting the same amount of work in, I'm actually disrespecting like the work that they've done and I'm not managing my own ego. Yeah, if that, that makes sense. It really makes sense. But I, um, and, and you're absolutely right. I think that's a really sort of key way of understanding what we're trying to do isn't if, if it was easy everyone would be doing it all the time yeah right and the, and the process is hugely important but but i it doesn't stop me getting really like i i, I follow as you know i follow you on instagram and i look at your igtv bits and pieces and uh and i'm forever going oh get on with it stop talking just show me <laughs> stop talking. yeah how do i get from a frog stand to a house just do it and um and, and that's that and that 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 thing in my head, which is just about, look, I just want to change, make all my training really efficient and really, I need to get past that. I need to understand that if I want to get, so I've been, Steve and I have been working on handstands for a very long time. I'm getting so frustrated because I don't feel like I'm any, making any progress. And of course, when you're doing, when you're training a handstand, the load through your shoulders, if you're upside down, is really full on, right? So you get very tired very quickly. Yeah. So you can't really do a lot of the stuff that you want to be doing mm. upside down. You can't upside down for an hour, just trying to get your balance or whatever, as much <laughs> as I'd love to be. Um, so it's, I think it's understanding what the other stuff that I can do along with the bits where I'm upside down and I'm working out when balance points are and all that sort of stuff. And I get used to that. That is also going to help me. So the next time I come to do it, I can do it for a little bit longer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We're gonna hook you. We're gonna hook you up with our with our new handstand program, and that's gonna that's gonna walk you through that step by step. How many but sessions a week? Not, 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 not traditionally slow. Not with all the work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, we're gonna cut straight well, to the chase. We're just gonna give you like the absolute like this, this, well, this, be, and this, and then there you go. Though, that's how we have designed that that new yeah. handstand course. We really took a lot of effort to streamline it and go. These are the things you need to do, and there's still a process behind it, but we have tried to make it because often people want to train handstands alongside something else. So we've tried to go, yeah. here's like three or four things you need to do on a regular basis, but it's not going to take 90 minutes, as you say, because it's one quality of the session goes down, but also people also want to get in and, and do some other stuff. So mm. um, yeah, I think we've you got it down to a few points and you just need to master those. And, and, and that's the thing about sometimes we're, we're training. It's not sexy because what you really need to do is just the same thing a lot. To, to get there and, and there's so much stuff you could do so many different variations and drills and progressions and you, you kind of get lured into thinking oh this is the one thing that I need to do to get this movement nailed down mm. but the reality is what you've got to go and do is the, just one really basic thing build the strength up build the stability up do that for eight weeks just stick at it and you're cons it's that consistency which gets you across the line rather than jumping around and trying lots and lots of different stuff but yeah I think that we've got better think... that over over the years because we've just learned from experience of doing that so much it doesn't get you anywhere so you go do you know what this is yeah. pointless mm -hmm. i've just got to go back and just got to accept that i've got to do the work yeah i think that i mean it's a really and, and you guys have have learned through trial and error as well going through it but i think the other thing that i'm not very good at and, and i remember the first time you got me into your virtual classroom you know there was it, 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 and i was working on sort of doing some human flags and i thought it was it was brilliant but i never i didn't ever like you, you gave me the, the worksheets and you write down what you've been doing and i think the thing that i think would really helped me and i don't do this but i need to if i really want to achieve these things is i need to be more rigorous about tracking my progress because i think i mm. don't give myself any credit for how far i've got i just think, yeah. think i'm yeah. still miles away as opposed to thinking hold on a sec i can you know do 30 shoulder taps and, and stay upside down for a minute or whatever and do some 
sort of vertical press-ups against the wall. So my strength, my stability has improved immensely since I've started doing it. But that's, of course, not what I want to be doing. I want to be doing a handstand off um, some parallel bars in a park somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Or, or off a wall somewhere. Do you Nothing know what I mean? like about that, yeah. I want to be able to throw it out. And, and I think that that's something that I've decided because I knew I was going to talk to you guys and I wanted to make this <laughs> point where I'm going to say, well, if it is eight weeks, I'm going to put that eight weeks in the diary and I'm going to track my progress. And I'm going to be really... Uh, sort of rigorous and yeah. regimented about it so I can take those incremental improvements and, and allow myself some sort of um, credit because I don't think I do I think I'm particularly harsh myself and then very dismissive of of what I've been doing yeah. as well I think there's I think there's two really good points in there that will really resonate with a lot of people listening um, and one is like priorities of going what else is going on in your you sound like you've you've made a commitment now to in your own in your own head and you've and you've sort of said it now live on here so we're going to keep you accountable which is good but um you know a lot of the time there's a number of things that I'd love to be able to do but actually how much do I love to be able to do them um what's actually the most important thing in your life and if 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 learning a human flag is the most important thing in your life when you're married and you've got two kids you yeah. said like well then there's actually a bit of a there's probably a bit of a disconnect in what should be a priority so there are going to be other things that are a higher priority which is not necessarily a bad thing um but then getting to the point where like you have done have gone actually this i'm gonna i'm gonna prioritize this part of my training i'm gonna shift that up to the top and then and making sure then there's something different to differentiate that between what you were doing before and then what this new um like level of uh, commitment is towards it and and as you said tracking is so critical it's something i've been in the past um so slack and it all comes down to or well, i think a lot of it comes down to your own depending on what your own personal training and background has been like before yeah. you know I, I played in a rugby in a professional environment where it was tracked for you and then i when i came out of that i didn't want to be I didn't want this rigid training regime sure. of like yeah, tracking yeah. everything because I was just yeah, fed up yeah. of it. Yeah. But I've got to the point now where I'm like you, where um, it was actually after the podcast we had with Andrew Tracy, he sort of, um, he challenged people to go, I don't want you to track everything. I just want you to keep like a record of just like a couple of things just so that you know when you come back to that workout next time, you you know that you did one more rep or one more set or a tiny bit more weight or slightly longer hold or whatever it may be. And I was like, I've took that on board because I think I personally now, like you, are in ready to in a position to go, right, I want to track it. And what it's done is it's done exactly what you're saying. From week to week, I'm buzzing because I'm writing down in my in my school of Kazan's diary, obviously. I'm okay. writing it down and um and I'm, I'm I'm checking back to last week and going, Yeah, well last week actually only did like eight of them and I've just done ten now. Yeah. Like whereas before I'd have done those ten and been like, Oh, I probably should have done twelve. Yeah. And not give myself the credit, yeah. like you're saying. So th- there's a couple of by doing the very small thing, you're going to show yourself. You get two things: you're showing yourself that there is. I mean, I'm making a commitment. You're differentiating between what you're doing now to before, and then you're going to give yourself those little bum taps along the way mm. as you're uh, as you're seeing that improvement. So yeah, no, definitely. We'll get a trade. We'll get a, a school card. It's diary in the post if you haven't got one. Yeah, Did no, we give I you one in the workshop? I do. I, I oh, there you go. It's just, it's just no, empty when I used it. I do, I, do, I, do use it. I don't use the training stuff. But I do use the right stuff down. Like things my wife's told me I've got to do that day. It's my to-do list. What you said is absolutely right. It's about prioritising. And I think that, uh, you know, your life. And, and at the, I think because at the moment there's, there's so much more time, we've all got a little bit more time on our hands, um, that, you know, without training, I would really be struggling this fortunately i've been doing sessions over zoom with steve i can go out and run in the park my son sam's really got into his training so he's been training with me as well and i can I, i'm in a very fortunate position we can do that i've got a, a spin bike i've been doing loads of spin classes with the dig me guys which have set up online service, which has just been incredible watching how that's happened um, but i do i want my it's very it's very easy isn't it just to sort of carry on drifting a little bit with your training doing a little bit of this a little bit of that and I think if I get a little bit more focus and give myself a few more um, uh, firm dates that I have to hit, then that will mentally help me as well to feel like I'm moving forward. Yeah, I was just going to go back to a point you made, Jacko, about um, 
life priorities and um, is a human flag like the most important thing if you need some motivation and what young child young boy particularly doesn't want their dad to be able to do a human flag that's fairly yes. good motivation yeah. even dad's a superman um, one thing I was just going to ask you yeah. about, like, you've got a lot of stuff going on, um, live TV, filming TV shows. Um, how often do you train and then how do you fit that into a routine? Because it's, it's obviously, where do you find the energy from to train and, and how does that structure into a, into a week yeah. so you get done everything you need to get done? It's become, it's become an absolutely vital part of my life, actually, and prioritising that in order to cope with um, the, uh, the sort of the, the commitments that I have elsewhere are hugely important. Um, so I will train, I mean, at the moment I'm training uh, sort of three sessions with Steve a week. Uh, we're doing first thing in the morning, sort of 7.30 in the morning. And that'll be functional stuff or weights or, or whatever. Uh, and then I'll be running and getting on the bike as well. I'm doing a couple of live classes on Instagram uh, as well. Doing another one of those this evening uh, sort of hit sessions. Um, when I'm down in Bristol and we're filming Tipping Point, I found an amazing gym down in Bristol which is called Starks, um, set up by a guy called James oh, Stark. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, um, James. Their gym down there is an absolute dream. It's um, it's absolutely fantastic. But what James and, and similarly to, to you guys, I mean, they are all passionate about fitness and functionality and strength and conditioning and, and nutrition. Um, and the gym that they've got yeah. up down in Bristol is amazing. And they've got a two down there actually, but. And that's been great. So what I will do is I will make sure I go first thing in the morning before we film all day because I've stood up at a in a dark studio in the, for sort of eight, eight to ten hours while we record tons and tons of episodes. Or I'll run to the gym on the way home because I stay down in Bristol when I'm down there and I train for an hour and a half with those guys. I'm in a class or one on one or whatever's going on that night. Just anything because I think that I can sort of cope with everyday life and everything that's thrown at me if I feel like. The one part of my life I control is my health and my fitness. It's the only bit of my life that I, because you know, I work when someone phones me and says, come and do this job. If uh, we get, I've got a production coming, if we get a commission, someone else has to call that commission. Do you know what I mean? The one thing that I can control yeah. it, about me is how fit and healthy I am. So I, it allows me to feel mentally capable of dealing with everything else because that part of my life, I am running myself and I'm running it efficiently and I'm running it successfully. Um, and I feel good because of that. Um, and as I'm sure you boys will, yeah. will, will agree, I think the fitter I am, and aerobically fit, not just sort of strength fit, but aerobically fit, so I have to keep that in, the better I sleep and the less sleep that I need. And sometimes my schedule can be pretty heavy and sort of sleep is on short supply. Uh, and the only reason I think that I can cope in those periods is because I'm relatively fit, so I can sleep for a short period and my body can deal with it. And also because um, I have a mindset which allows me to be able to identify the fact that I will be able to sleep at some point. I w I'm super tired right now. I'm not going to acknowledge that. But when I do stop, I will properly stop and then I'll be able to sleep. So if I'm in the middle of a crazy run, it'll be on Friday when I get home. I know that I'm doing nothing all weekend. So I'll just keep going till then. I have a, a pretty ruthless streak about I'm in the middle of a really chaotic filming. I have a, a, a great stylist feel and my makeup artist JJ and the team that come with me where I'm going and, and we're never allowed to talk about how tired I am. I'm not allowed, I'm not, no one's allowed to sort of say, <laughs> oh, Benny, you're right, you're really tired. But I just won't entertain it. I can't entertain it because as soon as you start going down that path, you start sort of having a little bit of self-pity and, and, and I can't deal with that. I'd much rather sort of plow on, keep going, train and, and find that time that I can sleep and make that the target rather than sort of middle of the day suddenly having a massive slump and dealing with it and getting really frustrated and fed up because I've not slept or whatever and we've still got some more episodes that we need to film because I know that I'm in a really privileged position I love I absolutely love my job um, I wouldn't want to do anything else I'm so privileged to be there and if I'm filming tipping point for example it doesn't matter how many episodes I've done for the contestants coming in it's the first time they've ever done it it's the only time they're going to get to do it and their their enthusiasm and their excitement to be there just creates the its own energy so that I, I sort of i feed off other people's energy as well and i think that that fitness and training has become such an important part of my life in order to be able to facilitate uh, what i do and how i live and um i couldn't imagine that was what was one of the problems when i broke my arm and also a few years ago i slipped a disc a very middle-aged injury indeed i slipped a disc in my back 
and I couldn't do anything for a month or so. And it was hor- it was horrible. Like the pain was one thing, but it was the mental sort of torture I was going through because yeah. I just couldn't put my trainers on and go for a run. I just couldn't go and do a quick hit session that you know someone would put on YouTube or something like that. And that was much harder. And I felt like my recovery was so much slower until I started getting the opportunity to do a bit of fitness along the way. And then I think my body sort of regenerated, felt like it, it healed itself much quicker because mentally I was, I was um, recovering as well. Yeah, well, I think yeah, there's a the whole the fact that you're the fact that you're putting like you we we've used the phrase for like investing in your physical pension. So like the fact that you prioritize your health, that's then naturally like well, <laughs> as you're saying that you're doing that because you feel that's actually the one thing I am in control of, which is mm. which is great controlling the controllables, and then it's a great lesson for for everyone that's then allowing you to to do what you're doing, you know, and be very successful in your, in your career. And I'd said to Tim before, before, um, you came on, we were just discussing what we we're going to talk about. And I said, I'm, I'm really interested to know, like, and, and you've given us that insight of even having to ask the question of like your sort of, um, your mindset towards how you go about your, what you do, your career and your work and everything, because, um, yeah, you know, you, you're, you're a very humble guy, so you probably, you're not going to sort of, but you, you, you are very successful in the area that you're going through. And, um, that, that sort of mindset and that determination that you've got is like hearing it is, I'm, I'm going like, that's exactly why you have, uh, you've been so successful. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you before well, we, oh, go on. Oh, no, no we're, we're going to get, I wanted to get on to asking about Ninja Warrior, but. Oh yeah, well, it's a weird thing that you, I, there's, there's, there's sort of the, I, there are undoubtedly, and I'm sure if I was sitting on the outside, but I don't think I ever consider it. But there are undoubtedly parallels between the way I approach my physical health and well-being and and, uh, and my work as well. But I think the overriding thing is is to um, I would never take anything for granted, and I think that that's hugely important. And I think that's with my my physical health and well-being and professionally mm. and I know that the harder I work and the more focus that I have on various areas the sort of the more benefit I'm going to get and that's why I think in a way um I'm sort of saying to you boys right I need actually to put some challenges some targets some firm dates because for the last few weeks as mm. much as I'm enjoying my training and it's helping me you know, a little bit of focus will, will will help me along the way. I think it, it will reinfuse me and will allow me to train a bit more here and there. I'm, I'm you know, I was a, a, a nightmare as a kid because I just all I ever wanted to do was be outside running around. With if anybody ever wanted to play a game or tennis or football or cricket or badminton or rugby or whatever, I was desperate. I played so much sport as a kid. From the time I changed schools at about eleven, I was playing football six times a week I was playing rugby on a Sunday and then that went all the way through till I was 18 as well because we had we had Saturday school and I just yeah thrived in that environment just pushing myself physically and I loved it I absolutely love it and I still feel like that now if so this is a lovely thing about my son Sam who's really getting into his running if he says dad do you want to go for a run it's like yes I've got an excuse to get outside <laughs> and go for a run with someone it's um and I think that that you know not taking it for granted so really appreciating the opportunity so we've got a bit of time now just going and, and lots of people say to me oh it's easy for you because it's really easy for you to go and train because you want to do it i don't really i mean if i'm all honesty i'd rather be sitting in the garden in the sunshine drinking a beer um who wouldn't want to be doing mm-hmm. it but I, what i do what i can do maybe is i've got this sort of strength of mind to remind myself that that beer will taste so much better if i've been for even if it's a 20 minute half an hour run do you know what i mean or that beer will taste so much better for 40 yeah. minute gym session or, or whatever it is. And I think that it's identifying the fact that, that um, yeah, it's a bit of a pain to have to try and do these things, but you feel so great after it, that everything you do after it is so much more satisfying. Uh, and, and sort of not yeah. taking that for granted is something that I think that I'm very conscious of. Whilst we know you are probably really enjoying the podcast, there's something else that we think you will also really enjoy. And that is the virtual classroom. If you're a beginner, we have got an eight-week free beginner's program designed to help you start your calisthenics journey where you're going to learn how to move better, get superhuman strong, and have a lot of fun along the way. 
If you're ready to take your training to the next level and learn some of the iconic calisthenics movements like a frog to handstand or a muscle up, then inside the virtual classroom you are going to find all the training programs and educational information that you need. But rather than keeping you from the podcast for any longer than necessary, head over to schoolofcalisthenics.com where you're going to find a bodyweight training resource which is different to anything else available anywhere. Tim, I think they're ready to get back to the podcast. Well, one, as before we talk about the amazing people that have, uh, you, you'll have seen on Ninja yeah. Warrior, just to touch on that, what, like I'm totally on board with it and I totally, and I totally get why um, that's, that's such an integral part of what you what you discuss or what you're explaining in terms of um, not taking stuff for granted. But my difficult question is like, why do you th- like where does that come from? Like, why why have you got such a great grasp of I'm not going to take this for granted because it's so easy to take stuff for granted? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, undoubtedly, and I think all of us sort of look back and work out where our our drivers come from but mine is is I, you know, my parents my parents both very working class background um and worked extraordinarily hard to sort of give me my brother and my sister um uh, uh an upbringing that they my parents could only have dreamt of my mum was working two or three jobs at the same time she was a she used to teach performing arts b-tech uh, at a college but she was a night nurse as well so she'd work overnight uh, and never ever once complained like I don't remember my mum ever complaining about being tired um and like she'd forget to pick us up from school and stuff like that um you know she'd forget (laughs) because she was because she was doing so many things but that was all right we all just learned to cope with that and and work out how to get home and stuff um and my dad would would, would, had put himself through night school having not done particularly well at school himself and then got his accountancy qualifications and then worked his socks off all through his life and 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 I benefited massively from it. So the work ethic comes from them, and also the appreciation of the opportunity that I've had and the chance that I've got, and the extraordinary um, world that and, and profession that I'm able to enjoy, definitely comes from them. And I think it's the, it gets harder as well. It's the thing that I concern myself most with my kids and my boys is I want my boys to have the hunger that I always had and to understand the value of things as well. Um, and it's a very different world, you know, that we, they're growing up in to the one I grew up in. And my world was different to the one my parents grew up in as well. And sort of, you know, there's a huge, this sort of, huge, there's a chasm between those two realities. And yet, you know, their grandparents, they absolutely adore and they, they, they look towards the guidance uh, all the time. I think it's the thing that we're all missing most is seeing our extended family at the minute because they're so important sort of, sort of markers for us, aren't they, about who we are and how we go about things. So yeah. I think passing that on to my boys, you know, as I said, Annie is a, is a brilliant guide and an amazing mentor and teacher for them and a mother. Um, but passing that understanding of the value of, of opportunity and the value of what you have, I don't mean sort of materialistic value. I, I mean sort of the value of, of life is, is, I think, is the challenge that uh, I sort of, we talk about. And I talk about with my friends, my, my mates that I grew up with school who are all dads now as well is you know how are we going to make sure that our kids grow up to be uh, interesting and interested and enthusiastic and passionate and have something that that they want to get up in the morning and and, and drives them whatever that might be um, uh, and, and I think it's sort of that I, and it's a very long I'm good, I'm almost talking as much as you do Jacko but it's a long a lot of, <laughs> a lot of words to answer that it, it, it come, undoubtedly comes from my family it comes from my parents I think in terms of understanding where that those uh, principles are from, uh, and I'm very grateful for them as well. I think you know, I, I yeah. the older I get, the more I understand how brilliant my mum and dad were, and what an amazing job that they did in very difficult and different circumstances. And I certainly didn't appreciate it at the time, not as a teenager, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and as I become more like my dad, and you hear yourself saying all those things that your parents said to you, I get annoyed because. <laughs> yeah the boys don't put their shoes away and they can't put the seat back under the table and they don't make the beds and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like, I, you know, I get it. I get it. At 45, I get it. that They, they were just doing the best that they could and finding their way through. And, and I think they didn't do too bad a job. Uh, and I hope that my boys sort of can reflect at 45 and think, you know what, they did their best. They didn't, they didn't screw everything up. Thank goodness. Um, and uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a sort of a, a nice to think that that could happen. But it's a constant challenge, obviously. 
Nice. Yeah, no, I think we're, there's yeah a lot of us are similar in terms of that respect of um, our parents and stuff, or those of us that were lucky enough to yeah be in privileged positions, like you say, and have have that. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit and then um, yeah. and talk about Ninja Ninja Warriors. You you, you co-host Ninja Warrior with um, Cami, which yep. must be. Um, I've heard a couple of things about him that there's that must be an exciting um, occasion. But just before we mention anything about that, interest is now like you must have seen some incredibly gifted um, athletes as part yeah. of that. Um, what are some of the main things um, that you've that you've sort of learned from seeing how those how those sort of incredible athletes go about their their job of like once they're on the show and you know feel free to name drop any people that yeah. you want to give shout outs to because they were that good well i think I, I i think one of the overriding things the extraordinary community that's that's built up around ninja warrior globally um i loved the japanese version i used to watch american ninja warrior before it came over to the uk and when someone approached me and the company that made it potato approached me and said do you know this show you're interested it was all i could do to i mean i said i'm only going to do it if you let me have a go on the course Whereas Cami and Rochelle basically turned around and said, we're only going to do it if you don't make us have a go on the course. Um, because I just dreamt about it. It was, I just had such admiration for their strength and their agility and their endurance and their fitness. But what you can't appreciate until you go to a Ninja Warrior set, you just cannot appreciate the scale of the obstacle course. Honestly, the majority of times you walk into a TV studio, and I don't know if you boys have been into my TV shows, but you kind of go, oh, it looks bigger on television. It's a really common phrase. TV makes things look bigger. For some reason, you'd walk yeah. into the um, Manchester Convention Centre where we filmed it, and you'd look at it and you'd go, this is bigger than it looks on television. It absolutely gigantic. The whole thing, the whole production was of an epic scale. So I think the first thing that struck me was these extraordinary athletes train day in day out to have a challenge themselves in various ways and this was the particular way they'd gone about you know coming on ninja and then they get one chance they get one crack at it they get walked around the obstacle course we had ninja testers who'd show them how to do each obstacle and then it would be a process of the, the record would start and they'd be sick backstage there'd be various interviews stuff. And then they come out and have to do it. And there's 2,000 people in the audience. And I did it a couple of times. I did the course a couple of times. And I can tell you, and it was, this was with no one in the arena. This is just with our camera crews and production team, stuff like that. The adrenaline in that situation, just for me, being on the course, was off the scale. It was so difficult to control my heart rate. It, that was the hardest thing, is, the, is trying to control your heart rate and keep calm. But you forget about the physical side of what's going on because you're just flying and the amount of people we would watch get over a couple of obstacles and they're shouting they're screaming and they're loving every bit of it and they're cheering along with the crowd and they're draining themselves of all of their energy and then suddenly their adrenaline would drop because they're absolutely shattered and fall off an obstacle too soon and the guys that we saw that came back the guys that did really really well were all absolutely awesome at controlling that side of the so the mental challenge was way way tougher because they knew they had one shot at it physically they're all incredibly gifted at whatever it might be but yeah. the mental challenge the strength that they had to block out the crowd to deal with what was going on around them there were a few things that happened uh, along the way i mean you know i have huge favorites ali hay was always one of my favorites the bearded ninja who's now setting up his own uh, ninja gym up in Kelso up in Scotland and, and has done extraordinary things for his community as well up there you know to watch someone come through because he's not a huge guy Ali he's quite slight but such strength and agility and then you've got someone like uh, Toby Seagar who is a, an extraordinary free runner that just flew around the course like it wasn't even there um, Tim Champion of course who was our uh, Ninja Warrior champion the first person to take on which is a ridiculous rope climb at the end of everything else and watching him challenge himself and do that was one of the most extraordinary days of my life because we've spent five years filming various people try and take on this course lots of people came lots of huge expectation with with a number of the athletes that we had people like uh ruel da costa who is brilliant uh, i said toby um and, and and sort of watching them come and take on the course and then something goes wrong or something 
to get someone right to the end. Uh, Johnny Orsui, who was brilliant for the first few series as well, uh, to watch them get all the way to the end and then take on the rope and do the rope and seemingly fly up it. And then suddenly he's pulling himself through mud and he can't get those last few meters. And to hit the buzzer as to, to hit to reach the top and hit the buzzer as the clock went to zero, to the point where there was bedlam in in the in the in the convention center, two thousand people just not. What did he do? What happened? Did he do it? We watched the replay and he did it. It was yeah. absolutely mind blowing. Cammy and I properly lost it. Like I, I you know, <laughs> to, to, to the, the build up and the tension and you know that release of energy, and it's and we weren't even doing rope climb for heaven's sake. We were just there trying to come yeah. and it felt like we had climbed everything. And compare that to a sporting. Compare that to you know. I know you're like a big yeah. rugby fan. Compare that to watching like like a live sporting yeah, oh, event, how does that, how did that rank for you? It's, it, oh, it's absolutely, Jack, it's absolutely up there. And I've, I've watched some extraordinary sporting occasions. Man, you know, when England beat New Zealand, 50 points at Twickenham, yeah. uh, I've seen a smash South Africa, winning the Six Nations. I remember what, even watching, I wasn't there, unfortunately, but watching us win the World Cup in 2003, going to Wembley yeah. with West Ham when they got promoted back to the Premier League and they beat Blackpool. I was there that day. You know, those moments are extraordinary moments for me as, as a passionate sports fan. But this, to feel integral, to feel woven into the fabric of this, to have such a vested interest, because yeah. Tim had um, uh, uh, Tim had come through every stage. And he's such a laid-back guy as well. Um, you know, he's so calm about it all. And, 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 you know, he wasn't the craziest of characters, but maybe that's what got him up there. Um, it was just remarkable. Well, I think one, one of the standout moments, though, and I think it's, I must mention her, because I think each series, the girls got stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, but in series one or series two, Katie McDonnell, who, I don't know if you watched the most recent Star Wars film, um, but there's an amazing moment in it where it's Daisy, uh, what's her name? Plays Ray, isn't it? She does sort of like a, a leap over a, a spaceship that's coming toward her. She sort of says, so spaceship's coming towards you. She gets a lightsaber out. She, he does this extraordinary leap over the, over the spaceship. It's, it's flying quite very low to the ground. She does this, this sort of somersault, but with a split leap somersault and slices the wing off the, the spaceship with her lightsaber. Katie McDonald, who was at one of our Ninja Warriors, she did that stunt. That's what she does, which is just the most thrilling oh, wow. thing to see that she actually did. So she went on from doing all this free running and doing Ninja Warrior. But in the first series or the second series, there was one particular obstacle in the semi-final and she'd been amazing and, and all the way through. And, and it was basically, it was really high up. I can't remember what it was called, but you had two rings and they were on pipes separate. So your arms are spread and the pipes were different heights and, and sort of all um, higgly piggly. So you had to lift your right arm over and your left arm over and then your right hand went down and then your left arm went up and all that sort of stuff. And you're, you're suspended sort of 15 feet above a freezing cold thing. And it's the last mm-hmm. one obstacle. You get over this obstacle, then you've got to go up the chimney. And at one point she she lost her grip on her right hand or her left hand. And then she's swinging there one-handed. And then she got both hands onto the the right-handed ring and she's swinging there. And then somehow she managed to get her left hand back onto the other ring, carry on and complete the course. And I still to this day can't understand how she managed to do it. How how (laughs) she recovered from that moment, The, the, the sheer tenacity and grit to get her back, to get to not give in, because it would have been so easy for her just to let go with her right hand, but she held on, kept her cool, reached back over, and then finished. She finished the course. Was one of the most extraordinary things. Uh, and I just, I know, you know, and then to see what's happened to her since, and then see her in the latest Star Wars movie doing that stunt was just extraordinary. I mean, properly bonkers. You know. Yeah, and I guess it like you said to feel woven into the fabric or feeling part of those people's journey. There's a there's a personal connection there that yeah. you've got that probably makes it feel. Yeah, does, yeah. It doesn't even feel like a job. It feels like you just do it anyway if someone would ask you to do it. Oh my goodness, absolutely! And I think that you know the other thing that we did, which is very different to the Ninja Warriors around the world, because maybe we've got that British sentiment. We we really had a laugh with it as well. So you know there was a lot. Mm of humor in our ninja warrior and it was about embracing people that wanted to come and take on the course you know whether they had never done anything like that before or whether they'd set themselves a challenge i'm talking about setting myself a challenge right in two months i want to be able to do this we had 
you know, some pensioners coming on and going, Ben, all I want to do is stand on that course and try and get across the first step. And that was there, that was reaching the top of the wall for them. And that was magic to watch them come and take that challenge on. And then we had, you know, guys that would come in, Corbin Mackin, who I don't know if you know who Corbin is, Corbin was in the army and then um, he lost his brother in Afghanistan. And, you know, he, he is now uh, sort of um, trained an awful lot, super fit. He went and he did the series in America on Netflix. They've got a series there uh, that Sylvester Sloan hosted the first one. I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, yeah, what is it called? It's, it's the assault course. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, Corbin won it, right? He was amazing. It's a really fantastic, epic obstacle course over there. Um, and uh, Kate Abdu hosted the last series. Uh, anyway, Corbin gets up, so he has this this last sort of crazy rock climbing thing, and he wins it. And he was so he came to the last series of Ninja, and he was like a big favourite, and he was brilliant. He did this. He always celebrate by doing a a belly roll, which was just always fantastic. Um, and then he went out on the first obstacle because he did it slightly wrong, and that was the crux of Ninja that you could have all the skill and all the ability, and you trained that hard, and then it goes wrong because you get something slightly wrong. Um, and it's, I think that the mental anguish that those guys went through when they got something slightly wrong was way worse than if the course defeated them because they just ran out of stamina or strength. You know, they would be in bits backstage because they knew it was going to be a year before they could try and take it on. And that's why I say, you know, what did I learn most is the, 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 the ones that triumph were the ones that could keep their heads in amongst the madness and the chaos and the noise and the, the brutality of the challenge and that could stay calm and 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 that's what we found with tim you know right to the end ali got really really close tim sheath got close a couple of years beforehand um and johnny had done brilliantly um but you know what tim did that last i, I you know there's a phrase isn't there at the moment that we're attributing to the nhs and rightly so that superheroes don't wear capes but somehow what tim did i think is a sort of a feat of human endurance that's that still astounds me to this day. And I was stood right there watching it happen. It was, it was mesmerizing. Yeah, I can imagine. The guys that did really well, the guys and girls that did really well, because I imagine when we sort of talk about season one, right back at the beginning, people would come on the training opportunities to train for an Ninja Warrior course were probably quite limited. I remember seeing it mm. way back when people that were going after it had got a Ninja course in their back garden. Yeah. Whereas now, like we went um, last year down to a, um, or, sorry, the beginning of the year down to a, um, uh, a place in Leicester, which is like fully kitted out and it's a proper Ninja facility. So you can actually now, you've got an opportunity to go and train, which is probably mm. meant why the courses have got more difficult and why the standard has gone yeah. up. Did you ever find that, were there, were there any people that yeah. came who were just natural athletes who had not done anything specific but could just rock up and just do quite well? Or had they all got to the point where they were doing some level of specific training? Because it's an incredibly technical um, discipline to do well what, on that course. Yeah, I think you're, yes. So, so you're absolutely right. When we started, there was no ninja gyms. By the time we finished, they were, there was always somewhere you could train on a walked wall. So the walked wall was such a, a <laughs> terrifying obstacle. Four meters walked wall, you've got to run up it, for heaven's sake. But it's all technique. And if you can practice it a few times, it's definitely doable. Um, so the standard of the course had to go up because people were, were getting trained. What, what tended to happen, though, Tim, is that those naturally fit athletes, like I would class myself in that category, the first uh, heat, getting up the wall, you're doing that first five obstacles to get up the wall to finish. That's where you can get past. Where it gets harder, where you sort of sort out the people that have trained specifically and have that skill, the climbing skill, the finger strength, the agility, as opposed to someone like me who just is quite fit and strong, mm -hmm. is into the semi-final and into the final where the, the challenges are technically much tougher and the endurance you need is way, way more full on. The, the competition goes up as well, so the pressure lifts uh, significantly too. So we had, we had the odd footballer that came in. Um, we had... Uh, a couple of sort of racing drivers uh, that came in and rugby players. You know, we did the first ever series of celebrity. We, did, we had the odd celebrities come and take on the course. And the first year we did for Tech Santa, Ugo Monye. I'm sure both of you know Ugo. Mm. He came into yeah, the course. Yeah, him. Yeah, because Ugo is, is super strong, super fit, super agile. Beast. <laughs> you know, uh, fast running back, uh, of course. And he came off on one of the agility obstacles. He didn't come off from one of the strength obstacles. 
he came, it, I think it was a rolling log. So he ran across the log and he, and he lost it and he fell off. Uh, Mark Wright did it and Wrighty's really fit and strong. He didn't complete the course. We had Jenny came and did, we had a number of people come and do it. And the one person that got up the wall that year was a Louise Hazel. Now, of course, Louise Hazel's uh, background is heptathlon. So she mm. trains in everything, a bit of throwing, a bit of jumping, a bit of splitting, a bit of endurance. And she's a pocket rocket. She's tiny. She got up the wall. And all those other guys that were fit and strong and healthy, but were sort of maybe one form of fitness rather than sort of multidiscipline, didn't do as well as she did that first year. And that, that was really telling as well, I thought. Um, she was incredible that year. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we had a couple of celebs sort of make it through. We wove them into the actual um, the format, though. So they, they weren't, there wasn't a separate celebrity show. Um, and, but it was, it was, you know, watching these people, watching the sort of the, the ones that have trained. And, and often what happened as well, you're absolutely right, that, you know, Ali has his own ninja gym now. And you'd see them practicing on the obstacles. All of them would be posting, like, this is the obstacle I went out on last year. The unstable bridge I went out on last year. I'm practicing the unstable bridge. I saw one the other day. I think it was Corbin actually posted because he went out series one on the salmon ladder. And so he had built a salmon ladder in his back garden. And he was like, right, I can do it now. Look, I've got my salmon ladder. And a lot of those things are... Uh, and then, um, who did I see? Dion Trigg. Dion Trigg is a great example. So Dion lives down in Gloucester and has for many years been a huge advocate of uh, Ninja Warrior and Sasuke, the Japanese version. And he was one of the first people to set up a ninja gym in the UK, I think. And Dion, from series one to series two, got himself into incredible shape. And literally what he does, he trains people on these ninja gyms. It's what he does day in, day out. It is absolutely his passion. He's been all over the world doing it. But he never really fulfilled his potential on our show. And I think that's because there was too much expectation on him from his own perspective. Like he wanted it too much. It was so huge, this thing. It was his passion. It was his love. It was everything. That mentally he was, um, he couldn't deal with that at the time. And then it was amazing watching him come back because he'd go off far too early because he was more than capable and he would make a silly mistake. And this is on obstacles that he has in his actual gym that he trains people on all the time. Um, and that was heartbreaking to see as well. It's really, really tough when someone like Dion, who is so passionate about the whole thing, didn't, I don't think, ever really lived up to his own expectations and our hopes for him. But we'll pick himself up and we'll come back the next year and go, I'm not going to let this beat me and I'm going to try and beat it next time around. And I love that about it. Yeah. It's such a great concept. And um, like you said, that I really value the point that you make around for some people, their Everest or their completion of the course is just getting through a couple of obstacles. And I, and I think mm. it's such a great job that you guys do of allowing that to be not a, a sort of a superhuman show, but you, you let everybody on there. We were talking about sort of personality traits and archetypes before. And I was one of the things I was going to ask you is just around that of um, the different sorts of people that get on it, the absolute characters that are just there for a good time. They just want to have a laugh and yeah. they want to have a crack at it. And then you get the yeah. real guys that are there to go, to go out to, to, to do something quite special but uh, yeah. I think it's a great blend that you get and that that atmosphere was so crucial because the audience are drawn to the crowd that are there they're drawn you know the, you've got these amazing ninjas that, that sort of will go really far and they can stay really composed but every, you know each contest each competitor brings their own group of friends and family with them and the energy that you get from those people is is just remarkable um, and, and the enjoyment, I mean, the brilliant thing is we film it in the summer holidays as well. So it'd be full with kids. And what I just loved so much was by the time you'd leave, or you'd see all these kids, it was a nightmare for the parents, quite frankly, they'd be climbing up everything and they'd be jumping <laughs> off things and they were trying to be uh, the bearded ninja or they were trying to be the crazy ninja or they're trying to be Guam ninja or they're trying to be whoever it was, Tim Champion, I'm being Toby Seagull, I'm being Saskia Neville, I'm being Beth Lodge, I'm being Peter McDonald. And, and we had created um, athletes and competitors that were inspiring to children and to the adults as well. So they weren't going home being inspired by something vacuous they'd seen somewhere on YouTube. They were being inspired by genuine endeavor and commitment and skill and strength. And that, from my perspective, was so lovely. I mean, it was such a, a, a treat to be there and see that and get messages, get messages back from kids. You know, I used to get, I get sent still now kids in their back garden, the parents have, they've made their parents set up Ninja Warrior courses for them or, um, you know, they're, they're running. I, I remember taking Sam down to the playground after series one, it's about five years ago, actually Jack, because Sam's too old, but it'd been Jack. And there were all these kids on the slide 
and they were going beat the wall beat the wall and they were running up the slide and that was there and it was just it was one of those moments where you see you see the infection that it's having so infectious that kids around the country are are just are thriving on what they and inspired by what they've seen to want to get out and try and recreate it and i still get messages to this day saying oh when are you going to do a kids ninja warrior when are you going to do a kids ninja warrior which would be amazing and the lovely thing is as you as you boys have seen there are ninja warrior gyms that are set up at various levels so kids can go and train on those things yeah uh, in the mm. sort of in a very safe environment which is which is brilliant because I wouldn't want to do the insurance disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you've, you've, you've definitely been part of inspiring a nation to, well, it actually, the, the whole Ninja Warrior thing is a little bit of the way you're describing it ties in with our, our own sort of mantra and ethos of redefining your impossible people are, yeah. people are embracing and trying to tackle something that seems really hard, even potentially impossible, but certainly challenging. And it's, and it's getting people more active and moving and, and that's only only a good mm. thing. And I think, you know, it's been yeah, it's been great to hear that first, because you see it from the outside, but to hear it straight from, you know, from you and, and what it's like um being a part of that's been yeah, no, it's it's inspiring just hearing the yeah. story itself, let alone seeing it in action. Um yeah. and, I, would, uh, I urge, I you urge know, anybody but, to go and find that last one of Tim Champion mm. in the in the final from Ninja Warrior. I think it might be on the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure when the podcast's gonna go actually. But the but series five, the final run of Tim Champion and, and Ali, um, particularly because he gets very close. But it honestly it's 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 a truly remarkable thing to watch. Uh, and then to have been there at the heart of it was it was a moment that me and Cammy and, and Rochelle, who did the show with us, we will never, ever, ever forget. Ever, ever forget. Mm. And, and we were doing it live. And you do live TV and that's pre-recorded, but that all had to happen live. So you can imagine there's so many elements yeah. involved in that. 2,000 members of the crowd, 16 cameras, all the production team, me and Cammy <laughs> commentating, the lights, pyrotechnics, <laughs> the timing, the sound, you know, everything mm -hmm. had to happen at the same time. And you can't rehearse it. I mean, we can rehearse it with one of the guys going up the road, but you can't rehearse something like that, like it's actually going to happen. Um, you just have to do it and hope it all comes together. And and so, you know, it was, it was yeah, it was something very, very special. Yeah. Well, something else that's going to be special and remarkable is you doing your first or nailing finally your handstand and human flag, yes. which we will be, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up by saying that we will do two things to help you. We will one, um, keep you accountable. And, uh, I would, in, I would, uh, encourage anyone else listening as well that wants to, to join in with that. They can message you on, uh, on all of your <laughs> social platforms to ask you how your handstand and, and human flag training is going. Are you sticking to the process or not? And then we'll sort you out with the, we'll streamline, we'll give you the most streamlined possible way you can do <laughs> both those two things, but with, with enough of the process for you to be able to, to stick to it. And then, and you're going to record it down in your, in your little notes of notebook so that you can give yourself that bum tap when you're going along because the the thing about redefining your impossible is making sure that we break it down that you know the human flag we've got to go we're not going to set one goal of like the human flag we need to set a number of like small little goals little wins along the way that's going to be part yes. of that helping us stick to the process to do the big thing but we'll uh yeah we'll look we and we ourselves and i'm sure the listeners will be looking forward to seeing Amazing. um seeing that um and just for so people can find you if they don't already on social. Uh, yeah, all um, my Instagram. It will all mostly be on my Instagram. It's Ben Shepherd Official, is my Instagram. Uh, and look out for the Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> quite a few people. I don't know why they do it. That set themselves up as like a fake account, and then it's very random. I don't know yeah. why you'd be. If you were going to be a fake account, why would you be a fake me? Why wouldn't you be like a Kardashian or someone like that? There's there's a few fake school cartoons accounts. Is there? Yeah, but it's like just See, their name. School guy, yeah. Michael, look at you two boys, though. You're buff. You're always topless. You're out there in your garden showing off your muscles. <laughs> always. <laughs> One of us more so than the other. <laughs> yeah, Timbo. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. Ben, thanks so much for, for joining us um, for and giving us some time um, and then just okay. sharing just your passion for what it, for your, both your own training and for your work and for, for you, what you do with Ninja Warrior. It's been, a, it's been a really great conversation. So thank you for that. My absolute pleasure. And I look forward to the two of you um, beasting me and holding me accountable to get this blooming handstand sorted in eight <laughs> weeks. 100%. 100%. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Ben. Until next time. Last dismissed. 
So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good. Keep it five are the best. Five of your best stars, please. (laughs) And if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. Definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed.